This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwath, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have won nine, count them, nine straight games, heading into a crazy season-long six-game road trip. But on this episode, we're going to talk some Pens Blues, because that was probably the most entertaining game of the entire Pittsburgh Penguins season. I won't see the NHL season, but the entire Pittsburgh Penguins season. So we're going to go over that. We're going to talk about the trade that happened yesterday. Blockbuster one-for-one trade with the Chicago Blackhawks involving Sam Lafferty. We'll discuss that. And then we also have a quick preview of the Penn six-game road trip, another Sully speak, and we'll finish it off with shout-outs and call-outs. But let's start it off with the fun, the exciting, the Penn's victory, their ninth straight this time over the St. Louis Blues on home ice. A 5-3 win. Horwat, key takeaway. Your, your biggest takeaway coming from that game. Let's start there. <laughs> is, is it not don't fuck with Crosby? I think it has to be. It has to be. <clears throat> There's no other takeaway there. Maybe that. Maybe another one could be that Brian Rust is not stopping and listens to the show, clearly. Um <laughs> Uh, the other one could be Jordan Bennington is can be a good goalie when his head is on straight. And I don't know why, but I all of a sudden don't like the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's fun watching good players lose. Mm-hmm. Like, I get, <clears throat> I get a... I don't know how to describe it, but I get a silly little happiness when I watch Patrick Mahomes lose. He's a phenomenal player, one of the best in the league. I get it, but it's so much fun watching him lose. I don't know why. I'm a cynic. Jordan Bennington, a really good goalie. We've seen it. He's probably going to be Team Canada's goal. Oh, never mind. No, he's not. Backtrack five seconds. He's a very good goalie. He's a cup-winning goalie. It's really fun watching him lose, especially him because he goes off like that. Mm -hmm. He didn't really do it against the Penguins, sadly. I would have loved to have seen it. But... He goes off, and it's fun watching him lose. Tarasenko, he wants traded again. No. Oh. Oh. He's oh. back on the wagon. So that was a very entertaining game, and it was I'm, – I'm upset that I missed the most entertaining parts because I was driving home from work. Well, you got this here, friend of the show, Josh Getzoff, and his opinions on the most exciting parts of the game. So, yes. I mean, that's a little bit of a, of a plus. Absolutely. But I do understand that, I mean – it's still probably nothing compared to seeing the visuals of what was actually happening there. But the one takeaway, the first takeaway that I have, and it's not even a big takeaway, PPG Paints Arena, the old paint bucket was bumping on Wednesday night. I mean, I don't know if it was leftover excitement from the Monday crowd for the Steelers game, but PPG Paints Arena, the fans brought the heat, loved to see it. And especially late in that third period, you started getting the vibe of, like, there's not many regular season games that feel like that and that have that type of crowd reaction and that type of crowd buy-in. So it was it was nice to see the home arena go crazy there on Wednesday night. Yeah, that's always good. I mean, it could have been a number of things. It's just that this team is it's now at nine wins, nine straight wins, mm-hmm. and people are getting that good feeling about this team. 
No, I'm not saying. Let's. I'm not getting that. Here's the thing. I, like I said, I'm a cynic. I'm not getting that good feeling until we win a damn playoff round, okay? Mm-hmm. Love this team, enjoy, and I'm thoroughly enjoying watching us win. Yeah. Let's do it at the right time. I'm turning into a Leafs fan, all right? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> turning into a pseudo-Leafs in, like, the style of a Leafs fan where it's, hey, they're playing great, phenomenal, win a damn round. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple years. I'm, I'm, Like I said, I'm enjoying watching this team. It's fun watching Tristan Jari bounce back. It is not fun watching Casey DeSmith at all. And it's a lot of fun watching this team. Also, I'm amped up, and I forgot to make coffee this morning. Yeah. So let's go. Hey, let's go. I mean, <laughs> if you have this much energy without coffee, I don't think I've ever seen this. So this is a path we haven't gone down in a long time. I'm excited for the rest of this show. But you mentioned Casey DeSmith there. Yes. He got the start because the day before Tristan Jari comes off of COVID protocol, he did experience some mild symptoms. So you thought, okay, it's a back-to-back I mean, the better of the two teams was clearly the Blues, but I guess giving Tristan Jari another day, or at least trying to, so he can go up against the Flyers on Thursday evening, giving DeSmith the nod against the St. Louis Blues. You see what happens there. He gets the start. He looks okay, a little shaky in the first. It goes scoreless. And then in the second period, 20 seconds in, it's a good shot by Braden Shen. But there's nobody in front, and he's 40 feet away from the net. You should be able to cut down the angle and make that save. And then you look at the rest of his performance, three goals allowed on only 16 shots, and then he's pulled for Tristan Jari in the second period. Horwat, is this, are we at the point where we finally are finding the wits end of Mike Sullivan? Because we talked about it on the show on Monday, on episode 200, which if you haven't listened to it, go back. There's a lot of fun stuff that we did on Monday, but we talked about it. He wouldn't pull him on Sunday when he had given up five straight goals. And it went from six to one to six to five. Tonight it goes to three to one, and he, he's pulled. Is it simply just because you have Tristan Jari there instead of Louis Domingue, or is it because he started to kind of wear down? And by he, I mean Mike Sullivan started to kind of wear down on the leash that he's given Casey DeSmith. It it might be wearing down of the leash, but it, like I mentioned with the <clears throat> uh, six to five situation, uh, we were still winning that game. You kind of had good, you you could have pulled him and I would have agreed with it, or you could have kept him in and I'd have been like, okay, that's fair. We're still winning, no big deal. But this one, we were losing. The game was beginning to get out of not beginning to get out of hand. We just were getting goalied, mm-hmm. and DeSmith is not making a save or making good saves. But what doesn't help is the I don't know if this is part of your Mike Sullivan thing, but the quote from after the game. And where it doesn't diminish how we feel about Casey. Why not, though? Why not, though? I mean, the pettiness of Taylor Haas retweeting all of her old Louis Domingue tweets <laughs> during intermission was quite hysterical. I don't know if anybody caught that or picked up on what was happening there. Mm-hmm. But that was not subtle, in my opinion. No. And she's not wrong. Louis Domingue is down there. He is a capable backup. He's not, he's not coming up to be the damn starter. Again, we're having this conversation over a backup goalie. You know that's not good when the backup when we're when we are having that discussion. We shouldn't be because he's just the backup, but here we are watching our backup lose and not make good saves and almost lose games where we have huge leads. This isn't ideal. He's got he he was fine for a minute. We thought he turned it around, but now we're seeing it's the same old song and dance. Mm-hmm. It's a backup goalie who's overstayed his tenure. That's all it is. 
Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Backup goalie is a hard position. You filter through that shit, though. So he's pulled for Tristan Jari, who comes in and has his first game action since December 19th. He goes out there and is perfect from that point on. 13 saves on 13 shots. Now here's the big thing. I saw two clear momentum shifts. Two clear moments where the Pittsburgh Penguins, that was the definition of the game. These two moments. One, pulling Casey to Smith after it got to 3-1. to one. The second one happened right before that, when it was 2 to nothing. Nico Mikola decided that he wanted to be a shit disturber. Okay, your team's up two to nothing. The Blues, listen, they're one of the best teams in the league right now. He got a little bit of confidence and he said, you know what? I'm going after Crosby a little bit. Crosby gave him a two-handed whack. He said, you know, instead of letting this go, I'm going to give him a forearm shiver right to the nose. Sidney Crosby, I mean, he got the worst of it. He got the worst of it. Mikola is, is about six inches taller than him. Probably weighs a lot more. Crosby, we all know, is tougher than his size lets on. He's a, he's a guy that usually wins fights that he picks. But he did not win this fight. I mean, look at the picture over there. He he got his nose busted. He's bleeding from the mouth. Nico Mikola put a hurting on Sidney Crosby. But here's the thing. And it made me think immediately after that happened. It made me think, okay... When is the, the last time, without trying to think too deep into it, that I remember Sidney Crosby being bloodied and then just going ape shit? That'd be, I don't know if it was his rookie year or his second year against Philadelphia when he scores that overtime goal, he, he looks like he has his teeth chipped, and he just goes god mode. Uh, well, It was his rookie. I believe it was his first game in Philadelphia in ever. Philly. Yeah. So... Knowing that and then seeing what we're seeing here over to my, uh, I guess my left, I don't know, it, the whole screen thing confuses me. But seeing this picture right here, you knew at the moment, and even you look at the scoreboard in that picture, two to nothing, you knew this game was going to get interesting. That, then the DeSmith pool, those were the two encapsulating big moments of this game where the Pittsburgh Penguins flipped it on a dime. And at that point, it was three to one. You could tell that the Penguins were playing a good game, they just weren't getting the bounces, Jordan Bennington was looking good, but once that happened, you had the feeling that the Pittsburgh Penguins were going to come back and find a way to win this game. And they ended up doing it, but this image right here of Crosby with the busted nose, the busted lip, it, and the, the look on his face is just basically like, I'm going to ruin your day, and I'm taking the two points tonight. I'm, the rest of my team's going to help, but I'm taking two points from you tonight, and that's exactly what he did. Sorry, it was his second game ever in Philadelphia, but yes, okay. you're right. You do something like that, and it's it brings out the determination in him. It's like it's the same thing with Malkin, except Malkin's is a bit more obvious because it happens more often and it's easier to do. Whereas yeah. Sid, it took this this bloodied face and mouth and nose to um, set him off, and Sid does it in such a quiet way too. He's not going to fight back right away like Malkin would uh Sid is going to take his time and premeditate his murder oh jeez yeah he's gonna go to the uh go to the back take a few minutes to get some stitches in come back out and he's thought about it it's settled in he hasn't gone red mist because when Malkin does it, it we've also seen Malkin get mad and just completely frig off on the game yeah We've seen him go red mist and either play phenomenally or play awfully. There is no in between with Gino when he's mad. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sid, we don't see it as often because I, 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 it's hard to imagine things annoy him like this. Mm -hmm. But 
it set him off. And you're right, it was the absolute kiss of death for this for this for the Blues this in this game. Yeah. So at that point, it was two to nothing. Of course, that goes to four on four. Brian Russ scores his first goal of the game. And then on the other side, Colton Pareko comes down, scores a goal immediately after. I mean, they were announcing the Penguins goal and Colton Pareko made it three to one. DeSmith gets pulled. And from that point on, it really did feel like Pittsburgh Penguins had 80% to 85% of the opportunities there. Brian Rust gets his second goal on a beautiful Sidney Crosby pass, and we thought that might have been the revenge, but it was only the beginning. You go into the third period, it's a 3-2 game. Bennington was really good. Listen, the, the first two goals, the Rust goals, were not Bennington's fault. One, it bounced up, he made the initial save, and it's just a matter of, okay, some puck luck for Brian Rust, and a good play by him to swat it out of the air underneath the crossbar. The second one, I mean... The touch pass from Gensel in the neutral zone, the saucer pass from Crosby in the zone, and the shot by Rust, it was one of those plays that only that line can really make for this team. It was perfect. So that's not on Bennington. The rest of the game, he was really on. I mean, he's a guy that we have seen be Vezina caliber, although he's never won a Vezina, but we saw in that run in 2019 the best of Jordan Bennington, and we have seen that at points throughout the past couple of seasons, and this was just another example until in the third period, there's a shot on goal. He covers it up. Evan Rodriguez and Chris Letang both kind of go after him a little bit, a couple stick chops, and you see him get up, get really quickly, get mad. And at that point, I, I turned to nobody because I watched the games by myself. <laughs> I turned to nobody and I said, that's the end for Jordan Bennington because he is now pissed off. And the opposite of some other goaltenders get pissed off and get locked in, Jordan Bennington gets pissed off. And his mind is gone. He's a head case. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, there's no way, the way the Penguins have been playing, there's no way that he's going to be able to keep his cool long enough to win this game. And sure enough, shortly after that, Crosby scores a goal that also sets Jordan Bennington off. And because he was having a, a fit, George, uh, Craig Berube, the coach of the Blues, said to appease my head case goaltender, we're going to challenge that for goaltender interference. It clearly not goaltender interference, Penguins get the power play. Evan Rodriguez scratches his back with his stick before letting loose an absolute bomb, beating Jordan Bennington. And just like that, Bennington is, is out of the game mentally, and the Penguins are all of a sudden up by a score of 4-3 to three with Jari locked in on the other side. That was the end for the Penguins. Brock McGinn ices it with a 5-3 to three goal, a nice play by Bluger to McGinn, makes it 5-3. to three. And the Penguins, I mean, they cover the number. They The minus 1.5 was plus money at, at DraftKings. I thought about taking it, but I was like, ah, it's going to be tough with Casey DeSmith starting. But if you told me that at the end of this game, Tristan Jari would have came in, I probably would have taken Penn's minus 1.5, and, and it hits here. 5-3 to three win for the Penguins. Absolutely phenomenal third period. And like I mentioned, the paint bucket was bumping on 5th Avenue on Wednesday. You forgot to mention when Greg Bruby went full diaper in his post-game interview about the uh, interference, too. Yeah, I think he's really just trying to keep the sanity of his goaltender because if, if, if Jordan Bennington is, is off his rocker, this team is not going to be anywhere productive. They need him to be locked in and calm, and that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen easily for Jordan Bennington. The issue is he spoke about the play like he heard it on the radio. Like, yeah. I, what I heard on the radio was... <clears throat> That Bennington stuck his arm out. Sid kind of skated through it. But then there's Barube who said he was foot was in the blue paint. Watch the replay. Take two seconds. Yeah. Watch. Never. That's a that 
Those one, two, three, four, those six or seven words is a completely false statement. Mm-hmm. That is that you're wrong. Zero yeah. percent of those few words is right. Was it knocked out of his hand? I don't know. I haven't seen the whole replay yet. I noticed that Sid's skates were never in the blue paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you still want to argue it's interference, sure, because goalie interference really does go by way of referee discretion these days. Mm-hmm. But you, what you said is a completely false statement. So change your diaper and move on. You have more NHL games to worry about. Sorry, I all of a sudden yeah. really don't like this team. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where it came from. You I enjoyed the them a few years ago. <laughs> you enjoyed them when they were playing the Bruins in the finals. That's why. That was part of it. Yeah. They're also genuinely a fun team to watch. Like, that's the one thing we said. They're a fun team to watch. They're, they got talent. They have great skill. Just not against the Penguins are they fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way they play. They play a Western Conference big style. They're trying to get in your face. Nico Mikola. I mean, that's the Blues, what he did. That is the Blues right there. I don't know if I'd necessarily do it up two to nothing and to that particular player, but that's 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 their team's identity. So, and with Barube's post game thing, he's doubling down. He he made the challenge to appease his goaltender and try to keep him in the game, and a hope that he's correct. And then also at the end, he's doubling down to try to make sure that people don't say, "Oh, you only challenged because your goaltender was flipping out." He's he's trying to say, "No, this was my decision." When clearly we could all see that. He was just trying to calm Bennington down and be like, yeah, no, we believe you. It's 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 basically, we believe you. You were interfered with. Calm down, get your head back in the game. It didn't work, and the Penguins took advantage of that. So a nice win for Pittsburgh. Nine straight wins. That ties the NHL season record set by the Carolina Hurricanes. They'll go for number 10 against Philadelphia, which we will preview coming up here in just a bit. But something else happened on Wednesday outside of the game. The Penguins make a trade, the first trade in season this year for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They send Sam Lafferty to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Alex Nylander. And as I posted yesterday, the trade was one for one. Let's start by talking about Lafferty Horwat. I mean, 94 games played with the team, six goals, 21 points. He averaged only nine and a half minutes of time on ice. He really was the lowest of low replacement level players for this team at his best. I mean, there was that one weekend I believe it was Minnesota, and then they played somebody else where he had like three goals right as his call-up. But as you see, he only had about three more in the next 90 games played. So what do you yeah, think about, about Lafferty as he's on his but, way out? Yeah, you're talking about before the pandemic, that little that weird weekend? Yes. Oh, him? Well, there was like Angelo and Blaine Deasy popped off that weekend. It was also against Winnipeg was the other team. That's right. That was a weird era of Penguins hockey that happened <laughs> before things only got weirder, but... Uh, hey, we don't got worry about we don't have to worry about Sam Lafferty on this team anymore. The Pittsburgh kid. Oh, Holidaysburg from Holidaysburg, which is also three hours away from Pittsburgh. Further out than Altoona. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> People from Cranberry don't like to say they're from Pittsburgh. They say they're from Cranberry, and it's weird. Admittedly, it's a different county, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, uh, no offense to. Who said Blaine Deasy? No offense to Sam Lafferty. We don't got to worry about him on our team anymore. Mm-hmm. that's all i got dude's not that great yeah i mean the guy he, he doesn't fit the mold anymore with pittsburgh i mean he never really did and be early on you see those goals and you're like okay maybe he has enough you know hand eye maybe he has enough puck possession skills but he, he really doesn't and that's the reason you see a guy like dom simone come back is because even though he might not score he fits the mold better and sam lafferty i mean he's a a body banger he's a bottom six guy he's a replacement level guy that 
once the Penguins got all healthy and they're trending in that direction, there was not going to be a spot for him. And his contract is difficult because you would have had to send them through waivers. He makes a little bit more cash than Alex Nylander does. So it makes a little bit of sense. Let Lafferty go to the Blackhawks, try to reinvent himself with a new franchise. And then Nylander coming back the other way, who we'll talk about a little bit. He's a guy that's going to be a project. I mean, And he, he immediately got reported to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins of the AHL, which is he spent all year in the AHL. So we'll see what he does down there. We'll see how he starts to mold into the Penguins kind of type of player, and we'll see what happens with Nylander. I don't know if we'll see him this year, and his contract is up at the end of the year, but maybe he's a guy that if the Penguins do hit, you know, COVID issues, God forbid, injury issues again, we might see Alex Nylander step up and be in that bottom six role. Yeah, my only question with Nylander is, is he healthy again? Has he played yet? He's he, he had has. a... Okay, good. Yeah, okay, he's, I see it now, yeah. Yeah, he's coming off of... A uh, knee surgery of his torn meniscus that held him out all of last season. But this year, he's been pretty decent in the AHL. He's played for the Rockford Ice Hogs, the Blackhawks affiliate. 23 games played, 8 goals and 12 points. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's not terrible. Um, he played just about all of the 1920 season with Chicago, so he's he knows what it's like to be in the NHL. And mm-hmm. Oh, he played for Buffalo before? That's fun. Yes. Hey, he's a friend of he's a friend of Erod, so we've found the chemistry. Yeah. Um, no, this is a very low risk, high reward situation. We're dropping off a of Lafferty, who okay, sure, don't need him, to pick up a Nylander, who if he plays, cool. If he doesn't, also cool. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a deep forward group right now, and he slots in as a. 23 year old yeah as a 23 year old that might get some playing time over some of the youngsters who are still trying to grow their game in Wilkesbury, but it's just a matter of time to see i just i just appreciated that nobody i don't think anybody made the joke hey the penguins traded for a knee no i'll tell jokes. you which one that I, I, there weren't jokes like that there were jokes that hey this is uh this is willie's brother hey this is michael Nylander's son hey the Penguins traded for Nylander. No, not that one. No, not that one either. That one. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's good to have that around, though. Uh, when you look at Nylander and his career, he was drafted. I mean, he was a first-round pick. He was a top-ten pick by yeah. the Buffalo Sabres. And then he was drafted to Chicago in exchange for Henry Yokiharu, who is still a top-four defenseman for Buffalo. So it, it was kind of a situation where I don't think Nylander was ever going to live up to the trade that he was in, in Chicago, because you look at Yoki Haru, he's had a really good, you know, couple of years since being traded to Buffalo, as good of a career as you can have in Buffalo, but you see that, and you get Nylander back, he was kind of forced into a top six role in 2019-20, where he did put up 26 points, I mean, that is uh, okay, not great, but the big knock on, on Alex Nylander, it's something that he's going to have to fix if he definitely wants to play for the NHL's Pittsburgh Penguins, the defensive side of the puck is something that needs improving. His Corsi mm-hmm. 4 was 49.09 in his career. His expected goals is 47.05. They're not awful numbers, but anybody that has watched him play has said the one problem that he does have is a lack of commitment in the defensive zone. So we'll see if the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton coaching staff can kind of teach him to that or at least try to get him interested in playing in that way because if he doesn't play that way, I don't see why Mike Sullivan would like him over even a guy like Sam Lafferty, who you could see that Mike Sullivan was okay with, but still had some issues with him, hence the reason he never played more than 10 minutes a game, really. Uh, for what it's worth, I think the Penguins are used to guys who aren't 
responsible in their own zone. We've seen it before. And also, for what it's worth, 26 points. It, with that Chicago Blackhawks team, though, it's not bad. It was eighth highest on the team. Yeah, that was a bad Blackhawks team. Let's see. Oh, that was the bubble year? That was the bubble year. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's why they they won the qualifying round. Oh, they're right. That's the team that beat the Oilers in the qualifying round. Ah, that's a good team. Um, but, yeah, for what it's worth, 26 points on that team isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mean, no. Being eighth, out, <clears throat> outscoring Kirby Doc in one well, more game. that was his game. rookie year. Outscoring in one more game, and Kirby Doc was damn good. Uh, who else? No one huge, I guess, but still. Yeah. Being able to put up good numbers on that team, I mean, I remember him playing on that team. He was not bad, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I enjoy this all around anyway. So we're not saying, because it's probably never going to happen, that we're going to see Alex Nylander as a top six guy here. If anything, he's a bottom six replacement level player this season, and it is the last year of his contract. So he's, he's going to have to basically, similar to what we had with Freddie Goudreau last year, prove that you can make it. And if there's a time for you to step in, we'll give you the opportunity to step in. But other than that, I don't really foresee Alex Nylander jumping up to the NHL anytime soon. He's probably going to marinate in Wilkes-Barre for the majority of the rest of the season, and they'll see whether or not they want to sign him afterwards. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to preview the Penguins' six-game road trip, the longest road trip of this season coming up, starting in tonight's action against the Philadelphia Flyers. And then it was a new segment on Monday. Now it's a, now it's a household name here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We're going to come back to you with Sully Speak in the second segment as well. We'll be right back. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. The NHL got rid of ties back in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Pittsburgh Penguins have now won nine straight games, or what? And they're heading onto the road for the longest road trip on the schedule, starting in Philadelphia tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll preview that in just a minute, but the rest of that ro- this road trip is as follows. After the game tonight, they play Dallas on Saturday, going to try to get some revenge from an earlier season game where the Dallas Stars just absolutely goalied the Pittsburgh Penguins and they couldn't get much going. That was very early in the season. If not, I think the second or third home game of that eight-game home stand early on And then, of course, the Penguins after Dallas are going to head out to California, take on Anaheim, L.A., and San Jose. The second time against Anaheim and San Jose, the first game 
against the LA Kings this season. And then it all ends. And viva Las Vegas on January 17th, the day that we will be announcing the winner of our Pittsburgh Penguins alternate jersey giveaway. So six-game road trip, Horwat. What do you think looking at the slate? Uh, well, it's one of the hottest teams in the league. I don't think we expect to win all of them, do we? I mean, that would be ridiculous. If the Penguins come back home on a 15-game heater after a <laughs> six-game sweep of a six-game road trip, I think that's when you can start saying, hey, this team should probably be number one, two, or three in your power rankings. But uh, I don't I don't expect them to go 6-0 and on this, this road swing. You're right. <clears throat> but we look at some of these teams, and you figure Philly's about to be decimated with injuries and COVID. Let's hope this game even gets played. Mm-hmm. Uh, an afternoon game in Dallas. Boy, you love to see it. <clears throat> um, and the California swing. I think the same goes for what I said last episode, and that is just let's try and get a win or two out there because those aren't the same teams that we lost three in a row to uh, before pre-pandemic. These are now all three teams that have some good ability we just saw the sharks we know what they are capable of now and that is blowing out a six to one game they Mm -hmm. have an ability to make it interesting they can do high scoring games sure we still have to see the kings we still have to see the ducks right we played we played the ducks we've played Um, the 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 ducks the ducks and the uh and the sharks yeah so it's just a matter of collecting ourselves and knowing what these teams are capable of because it's more than it now it is more than what we saw last time we haven't seen them in a while we have to yeah, when I, gain that experience now when i look at this road trip obviously and we'll talk about it in a minute the philadelphia flyers game the penguins should be winning that and the penguins should win that game considering who is all out, and we'll talk about that in a minute. When I look at the rest of this swing, though, all against Western Conference teams, Dallas, they're a weird team to handicap because there's times that season that they have been the best team in the hockey. They've been right where the Penguins are right now. They're the hottest team in hockey, and then there's been times where Dallas has just been, I mean, decimated by COVID, decimated by injuries, as it seems like the Stars always are, and just... They're a weird team to handicap because they can be really good or really bad. So I'm not sure how, how to look at that game. I think I would need a little bit more time to look at that game. But when I look at California, Anaheim, that's going to be a tough win. You just saw them completely blow out the Flyers earlier this week in their home arena. I mean, Troy Terry had a hat trick in that game. We shut them out in the first meeting in Pittsburgh, but that's not going to happen again. I mean, it's going to be a low-scoring affair because the Penguins play some pretty good defense, and then John Gibson and the Ducks have been really good defensively as well. So that's going to be a tough game. The LA game, again, another team that I'm not quite sure how to handicap. They've had some games where they've been really good and some games where they've been, I mean, they've been the LA Kings that we've seen the past couple of seasons. Jonathan Quick is having a kind of resurgent season. It's weird to see something like that happen. So it's going to be a tough California swing. I don't think the Penguins are going to lose all three like they did a couple years back. I think they take two or three in that because I think the way that the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing right now is confident. I think they're strong throughout all four of their forward lines, and I still think that they are underratedly one of the best defensive teams in hockey if they get good goaltending, which means if Tristan Jari is between the pipes, and who knows, maybe Louis Domingue gets a game on this road trip. And then, of course, the Vegas game. I mean, 
it'd be nice to see Jack Eichel, but it's probably not going to happen. So uh, it, it, it's still a good team, and we'll see who's in net for them. They just had Logan Thompson make his NHL debut a couple days ago. So their goaltending situation is a little up in the air right now with Leonard, Brassois, and Thompson. So we'll see who we see in that game, but it's going to be an interesting road trip where there's not really any easy stops. Yeah, and that's the goaltending with the Knights game is what I was going to ask about because I see Lanner's, you know, hurt for a lower body injury, but at the same time, who else do they have in net? Like you just mentioned, Logan Thompson getting an NHL debut. Laurent Bersois, yeah, no, not striking fear exactly, but <clears throat> they're still one of the, they're still the top team in the West. I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a weird league this year, but mm-hmm. is the West that good? Because I don't see Vegas without Flurry anymore, without Stoke, because now Mark Stone is also hurt. And is he hurt I, again? I got Mark Stone hurt on my, or at least didn't play on two days ago on January 4th okay. with an undisclosed injury on Hockey Reference. That's ready, also hurt with a wrist injury. Uh, and Alec Martinez still out, I'm assuming. This And plus just the way this team is, they, they've fallen apart in front of our, our very eyes pretty often. I don't know. I, this team doesn't strike me as a team that knows how to get it done. Yeah, I mean, the, Vegas started out really slow. But the way that they've played in the last month, they've been really good. Now, if, if they are out, Pacioretty and Stone in that game, that completely changes the complexity of the game, especially if Leonard is still out. So, I mean, that's still a far way away. That's 11 days from now. So, we'll see what happens with that. But it it's something that... If they're missing those guys, it completely changes the entire viewpoint of the game, especially since they're still not going to have Jack Eichel in the lineup. But let's talk a little bit about Philly before we go to our Sully speak. This is a game tonight where you you imagine that Tristan Jari is going to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Penguins right now might also get Jeff Carter back. So they might be literally healthy minus Jason Zucker and Evgeny Malkin, which is the closest the Penguins have gotten to full health, basically, all season long. And they're playing the best that they've played all season long. And they're going in to play a Philly team that has failed to meet expectations this year once again. They're getting better goaltending from Carter Hart, so I would expect to see him as well. The game was close between these two earlier in the season, 3-2. to two, But when Philly is missing Couturier and Ellis due to injury, and now also Claude Giroux, Ivan Provorov, Travis Konechny, and Travis Sanheim all to the COVID list. If this game is played, the Penguins have a huge advantage on the Philadelphia Flyers. They're missing their three best forwards, in my opinion, in Couturier, Giroux, and Konechny. And they're missing their three best defensemen as well. I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen is going into this game as a first-pairing defenseman. The Ugh. Pittsburgh Penguins should eat tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. This, I said the minus one and a half. I was hesitant because I didn't know if Jari was playing last night. If the Penguins are favored by one and a half with plus money again tonight, which they won't be because Vegas isn't that stupid, that's an easy bet. Take Penguins minus two if you want, and they'll win this game by three or more. Yeah, you sure hope so, don't you? I would think, I mean, the players that they're missing right now and the fact that they're not that good of a team to begin with and the Penguins just everything combined tells me that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to go away from this game on a 10-game win streak. 
Yeah, the, the way this game is being set not only uh, show that it's it's you're right. It should start off this road trip on a very nice on a very nice little victory. It should. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the games that has been relegated to ESPN Plus and Hulu only. Not relegated. I think that's a good thing. That's national attention. Yeah, I know. It's not a good thing if you're an 80-year-old that doesn't know what ESPN Plus is. But, I mean, tell your grandchildren to teach you. No, right. I'm just kind of giving that point up. What did I say? Thursday? That's their Thursday night hockey game. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, Other than that, however, just see how it goes. I mean, it's it's this thing that everyone's dealing with also. The Penguins just went through a big old battle with it. But, thankfully, all of our games were postponed. Now Philly's getting hit with it. And it couldn't come at a better time because we're coming to town. <laughs> but, well, not, the thing is, too, you got to be safe about it. Yeah. But, I mean, not too many times have have these, have the viruses been transmitted through gameplay. Mm, you've seen it a couple times this season where a team is left and one team's like, oh, we, we have a bunch of COVID cases. And the other team's like, oh, okay. And then they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> and, it, and it has actually affected a couple times, but not not too many. But at the same time, it's something to look out for. It's a storyline, as it always has been since the start of this season. Absolutely. So let's move on and start another segment of Sully Speak. This is a segment where we take a clip from head coach Mike Sullivan, one of his press conferences, and we dissect it and try to figure out what he means because he says a lot of things in coded speech. So we try to dissect and decode the talk from Mike Sullivan. I want to start this one out. We have a bonus video with... A quote from Chris Letang that he had after practice a couple days ago. Last year, we had the feeling that we had the team, you know. Um, And I think this year with all the adversity and everything we faced, um, we don't even know our potential now. Like, we we didn't have a full lineup yet. That's scary to me. They don't know their potential yet. They've won nine straight games. They're the hottest team in the National Hockey League. And they're sitting there saying, yeah, I don't think we know our potential. Like last year, we thought we were really good. We were we had a really good confidence. We had a really good chemistry. We thought we had the team to win the Stanley Cup last year. This year, it kind of feels like that, but we don't know yet because we're, we're not really understanding of what our potential is. That is frightening, Horwath. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think it's, it might be them saying the same thing I just said earlier. Win a playoff round and then we can talk. I don't know what that noise just was if you heard it. I did not, no. Okay, it sounded like something crashed. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, it might be them kind of saying the same thing I just did of win a playoff round and then we can talk because, mm-hmm. I, like, yeah, we're playing great. I don't know what our potential really is either. We were playing great, but we haven't won a playoff round in how long? Now, admittedly, there's been some player turnovers since we last won a playoff round, but nine wins in a row and you still don't have any sort of idea? You have to have something in there. Well, I think the big thing for him was we don't know what kind of team we are right now. Yeah, because we still because... have a full lineup, and I get that too. I exactly. Mean, we we preach the same thing. I mean, what is this team? And it. Like sure, we're getting close. We've hit. We've had games where the only player we were missing was Evgeny Malkin. But it's not. If that's Evgeny Malkin you're missing. It's not like you're missing a. Oh hey, we missed Brian Boyle today. No, we're missing a. We're missing a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah. We don't know what this team can be, especially a Hall of Famer who, you know, some critics might say might, you know, ruin the chemistry of the team or should have been traded a long time ago. Who knows exactly what's going to happen when Malkin does return to the lineup because it might change the, you know, the chemistry of the team for better or worse. Some change might come there. So maybe that's what he's going for because the one player we've missed all season so far is that level. Like I said, it's not like we missed a Sam Lafferty. It's not like we missed a Dom Simone. Mm-hmm. No, you're missing your future Hall of Famer second line center mm-hmm. who can be a game changer. It's a little bit of a different thought process when it comes to what kind of team you are whenever that's the guy you're missing. He went on in, in that interview to say that last year felt a little bit more like 2016, you know, that they were a lot more confident in themselves, that they felt that they were a lot more dominant in the way that they were playing, that when they were down by a couple goals, they weren't worried, similar to what we saw last night. So you start to see the cues that this team is feeling themselves and this team is understanding of the position they're in. And he even said that 2016 felt better than 2009. He said 2009, they were not aware near that confident, which is understanding they had never won before. But him saying that matched with the quote we're about to hear from Mike Sullivan, and there's a lot to take in. This question, of course, was asked by Wes Crosby following hearing what he heard from Chris Letang, asked this question of Mike Sullivan, and here was Sully's reaction. I sense the same thing that Tanger senses. I can feel the chemistry with this group we have this year. I don't think this group has missed a beat with respect to the chemistry and, and what we had last year. And it's, and it's a lot of the same players, but some of the new players as, as well have just enhanced, um, you know, the collective motivation of the group. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a fun environment to be a part of. It's a, it's, from a coaching standpoint, it's a real rewarding experience when you're, when you're part of that environment and you can sense that. So I've seen a lot of people... In response to that, in response to the Latang quote, in response to the game on Wednesday, say, this team is a contender. And I have the same thought process as you, where, you know, I'm wearing this hat whenever they say, yeah, you know, this team feels like 2016. Just a reminder, what happened in 2016? The Penguins won the Stanley Cup. So hearing that, hearing that they believe that they're that confident, that they're on that level as a Stanley Cup type team, I have to obviously take pause and be like, okay, well, let's not put the cart before the horse because it's a regular season win streak. They haven't lost in over a calendar month due to everything else. So it's nice. It's been a while since you've lost and since you felt that losing feeling. You had the winning feeling throughout a Christmas break that was elongated. I know some people got sick, but the rest of them, hey, we have that winning feeling. We have a nice long break for Christmas. We're with our family. This is great. And then you come back, you win a couple games, a couple nice wins, especially that Blues win. You're getting confident. You're seeing the chemistry where these lines are playing so well together and this team is cheering each other on so well. You saw it when Casper Bjorkva scored his first NHL goal on Sunday. You saw it when Brian Rust came back and he scored five goals in two, or yeah, five goals in two games, seven points in two games. And then you talk about Sullivan when he looks at this and says it's fun to be a part of. It's fun to see from the coaching side of things. It's rewarding for Mike Sullivan to see. And he says it's chemistry like last season, but also the chemistry added from the players that have come in. When he says that, my brain goes to Dom Simone and how much the guys liked him before he was, when he was here. 
that helps them bringing in a guy that they like that knows the way the game is played that also makes me think of brian boyle and how much chemistry he's added the experience in the room he doesn't have to be playing you saw what he did whenever nico mikola went and and bumped into tristan jari and sent tristan jari to the ice brian boyle skated faster than i've seen brian boyle skate since he's been a pittsburgh penguin to confront nico mikola behind the net that's the type of things that Boyle brings to the forefront, and that just adds to this chemistry that was evident before during last season before they were knocked out by the Islanders. So am I excited about this team? Yes. Should you be as a listener? Yes. Be excited. This team cares about each other. This team is good. This team has great chemistry, and this team is going to win a lot of hockey games this year. Do I say they're a cup favorite? I, I can't. I'm just, I'd like to. I'm not as much of a pessimist as you are, I believe, Horwood, or whatever word you said. I don't think you said pessimist. But I I can't put the label of, of contender on them just yet. I think we need to take a beat, watch what happens. We expect them to obviously lose a couple games in a row. We expect them to go through some lows because this is a really big high during the season. And we'll see where they're at closer to the end of the season. But I think the things you're hearing from Sullivan, from Latang, the things you're seeing on the ice... They're all positives, and they, they lead to the fact that this team, I will say this is, is a guaranteed playoff team. This team yeah. is going to be tough to take out in the postseason, but I'm not ready to say that they're a contender yet, especially looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference, because with all of this said, the Penguins still sit in fourth place in their division. That tells you how good the other three teams have been. Fourth place, games in hand, and we haven't played two of the teams in front of us yet uh i still understand what you're saying i hold off on saying they're a contender because again it's about the playoff performance you can't contend for a cup if you can't win in the playoffs Mm -hmm. you can't take it from the leafs for a long time now take it from washington pre-2018 18 yeah take it from st louis forever and ever until they won in 2019 these are teams that have not been able to get over humps and once they do it's all the way for a long time the penguins couldn't get over a hump from i mean hell we haven't missed the playoffs since 2007 we won in 09 and then what nothing but we were still making the playoffs every year but nothing from 09 for nine years basically from 09 to 2016 yeah i'll i'll do you one better really quickly sorry to cut you off mario Lemieux was drafted in 1984 when was the first time they actually had a good team 1989 Five years. Like 88 or 89, yeah. Yeah, five years with the best, one of, no, the best player in NHL history. I'm not getting into the conversation. There we go. But that, that's it. Five years, and they were not good. They were not good. Even after that, 1989, they were good. 1990, they were not. That's why they got, you know, 1989, 90, they yeah. were not. That's why they got Yarmir Yager. Yeah. Picked him fourth overall, although I think there was a reason for that. But, yeah. Just, just some shady shit. That happens. But, yeah, it's... You gotta get over the hump. So, you you can call this team a playoff team. Yeah, a lot of teams are playoff teams. The Capitals were a playoff team forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blues were a playoff team forever. I think they also had a long playoff streak going into that uh, Stanley Cup victory. I don't really remember now. Um, the Leafs are a playoff team. These are... The, the Knights' playoff team. Uh, I'm trying to think of other teams right now. I can't remember. The Red Wings, toward the end of their run, little run. Playoff team but sucked. Yeah, there was a long time where the Minnesota Wild would make the playoffs every year, but they would always lose in the first round. Yep. The Avalanche right now, as much as it hurts to say. Playoff team. Now they got to do something about it. The Penguins are one of those teams. 
You know who are you know who are legitimate cup contenders right now? The easy answer is Tampa Bay. They've done it twice already. Mm-hmm. Um, other legitimate cup contenders? Oh, that's really it. Because who else has won in the last two years? Well, nobody. But Florida, exactly. I would say, is a legitimate cup contender with the team they have. And they're a weird team because they don't have a hump to get over yet. They just haven't made the playoffs a lot recently. Their hump and was they're... getting into the playoffs, and they did that last year. Now it's yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So the Penguins are just right now one of those playoff teams. It is time to advance past that status, and it's going to take a playoffs to do it. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to close out this show with our shout-outs and our call-outs. We'll be right back here on the tip of the iceberg. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Again, promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Shoutouts and callouts, Horwat. I'll let you lead us off here. Let's start with callouts. Who are you calling out this week? Cool, my callouts. It's a new one I had to find this morning, but... Uh, you know what? So, when a time when it, when there's a scheduled time for a hockey game, right? Puck drop is at seven thirty. What time or should we puck think? Be dro- what time should puck be dropping? Seven thirty and two seconds. I'll give them like a five minute leeway because I know you gotta uh, get through commercials, ads, all that gets set. But seven forty two. That is not seven thirty. People plan their days around getting to games. Like, if depending on how big of a fan you are or your game day traditions, you plan your day around the seven o'clock start, right? All right, doors open at six. We'll get to uh, the pregame bar. We go to at five thirty. Have a meal. Be in by six thirty. Be in our seats by seven. Whatever. Puck drops seven o'clock. No. What? Why is this only an issue in hockey? By the way. The NFL, I don't know. the regular Sunday games in the NFL, the 1 o'clocks and the 4.30s are 1 o'clock and 4.30 on the nose. That ball is getting kicked, whether you are in your seats, whether the TV and radio is ready or not. Yeah. And yet they're the largest sport in the damn country. Baseball, I honestly don't pay too close of attention to the actual first pitch time, but that's also because they set their schedule so weird. It is, hey, first pitch is at 7.05. They tell you 7.05. Yeah. Um... And it usually is at 7.05. I will say the MLB is that 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 pitcher is winding up at 7.04.59. All right. Uh, so it's it's only hockey this happens because I don't know too much about basketball tip-off. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Sunday night football, maybe sometimes that lags. But, again, this is, like, a consistent thing in hockey. Like, tonight's game is at 7 o'clock. Let's read the tweet whenever someone tweets out, puck drop, game on. It's probably 7-10. I'll put my money on it. It's over under 7-10. Mm-hmm. That should start being a DraftKings betting uh, prop bet. What time does the puck actually drop? Yeah, over, over under on how long it takes between the actual the set start time and the actual time. That'd be a, that'd be a great one. We can make some money on that one because just the way 
especially the national games in hockey. It's again, it's only hockey. Seven thirty, seven thirty, people are like doors open at six thirty. That's how it goes. Always an hour. Where's that extra fifteen minutes go? All of a sudden, what are we doing? I think what it is, and I'm I'm probably I don't know if I'm right. This is just me throwing shit on the wall and seeing if it's sick. And I'd love to hear it. It it feels like, and when I think of it, and when I, I hear what you're saying. It sounds like that they're trying to juice the ratings a little bit for hockey because hockey is clearly in this country of the United States of America the fourth most popular sport right now. Yeah. Maybe third. They might rival baseball, but TV ratings, they're third or fourth. They're behind the NBA. They're behind the NFL. So these TV stations say, let's juice the ratings a little bit. Hey, the game starts at 7.30. You tune in. They get your view for the 7.30 to 7.45 time slot and then they drop the puck at 742 so you tune in for the first five minutes and they get your view a second time in that hour that's how nielsen ratings work so that's in my opinion why they do that i don't know if it is but i would think that they try to do that maybe to juice the ratings just a little bit and get a view and some views twice in that hour instead of getting it hey we we drop the puck at 730 maybe some people are flipping around they see puck drop watch a couple minutes of the game they tune out you miss them from 745 to 8 you don't get that rating I don't know if that's how it is, and I don't think anybody cares about the minutia of TV ratings, but in my opinion, I think that's why you see it, especially more so on a national scale, because the NBCs of the world previously, and now the TNTs and the ESPNs of the world are trying to get that additional rating to get a little bit more money for their sponsors. Oh, and I'm not daft. I get that. I work in radio. You have to get your ratings. I understand. Yeah. I know what it, I, I understand the whole rating thing. It's just annoying as a fan trying to <laughs> trying to watch the game, especially when you're trying to watch the game at work and you're looking at the clock. All right, seven thirty. Flip the game on. Oh, they're still at warm ups. What the hell's going on here? Um, so it's it's like so now I have to like fake being productive for another fifteen minutes until I can just say, hey, I'm watching the game and it's for work. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just I just don't like it as a fan, as a media person. I understand it. But also, another part with timing the games, man, you have to feel bad for West Coast people sometimes. I don't. Those 1 o'clock games, though, when it's 10 a.m. and you're... I would love to wake up on Sunday morning and be like, oh, football's on. Yeah, but at 10.05, your team's getting demolished. (laughs) Yeah, well, at least then there's more of the day left that you can be productive. I know. I just appreciate all the old uh, jokes, especially during football season, where it's Californians are sitting in church and the pastor's giving the Raiders score because they're on the East Coast this morning. There's some <laughs> there's some fun that can come out of uh, having an early game. But, I mean, I feel like people flip-flop on their thoughts on afternoon games here quite often. I couldn't imagine a Pittsburgher's thought on a 10 a.m. start time. I don't know. We have a lister, Wesley, I believe he's in Colorado Springs or somewhere in Colorado, which is not full Western. I, I think that's mountain time, which makes sense. It's Colorado, so it's two hours. So if there's a game like, say, on Saturday, Dallas, 2 o'clock start Eastern, it's a noon game for him. But even if there's a noon game for him, it, it would be 10. So maybe that's something we'd have to ask him how he likes, you know, when it's really, really early, like a 10 a.m. start for a Penguins game. I mean, noon's nothing nothing new for us we have 12 30s all the time but still well, it's not, used to i don't i don't know we, on the schedule that i have in front of me at least the last two saturday games in april are 12 30s and they're oh. in boston in boston and in detroit respectively 
Uh, but I feel like we always play Atlantic Division teams whenever we're playing one o'clock games on the road. <sighs> Something about that national know. broadcast, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I don't know. I just, I also feel weird about, if I'm going to a game, I don't like an afternoon game. Mm-hmm. I don't like, there's something about going to a game and then, you, well, now what do I do for the rest of the day? It's like three o'clock. <laughs> but that's eh, just personal thoughts. I just don't like time. I just don't like when games are late and all of a sudden this conversation has spiraled. Yeah, just a little bit, but that's all right. That's the point of this entire segment. It's just to kind of spiral out of random things. Uh, at least that one stayed on hockey. This one is not. My call out this week uh, realms in the NFL, and my call out is Antonio Brown because I knew how this conversation qu- was coming. <laughs> how quickly can somebody torpedo a Hall of Fame career? Because that's what he was having when he was in Pittsburgh. Absolutely, and it's not anymore. It's not. I mean, the latest shenanigans, if you want to call it that. He walked out on the Bucks Sunday very publicly on national television while his offense was in a game where they were losing by 14 points to the New York football Jets. He walked out, throwing his equipment around and into the stands. They said that it might be about his bonuses, not getting him the ball. He came out and said he was forced to play injured from Bruce Arians and the coaching staff. I don't trust a thing that comes out of his mouth, and that's mainly because he's lied so many times before. If that is the truth, there's a bigger story there. But if it isn't the truth, which there it very well might not be the truth, then it's just another example of Antonio Brown that he needs help. He really does. Like, you hate to laugh at it. And we were laughing about it on Sunday at work, but you'll look at it and you're like, actually, and Tom Brady said it best, we hope he gets the help he needs because he needs help. I mean, my fiance Kayla's like, do you think he has CTE? Like, it, it might be that. You, you saw... Mike Webster's son tweeting Adam saying, this is Mike Webster's son. Get help, please. So you don't want to laugh at it. You think that it's probably something that he really needs help. If it's not due to CTE, he just psychologically is unwell. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on with the situation. Also, it, it just keeps going this morning. There was just more. Now he's tweeting out screenshots of conversations and of, Oh, yeah, his bank information. Where were you when Antonio Brown leaked his bank number, by the way? Still not caring about his bank information. Like, I care about him as a human being at this point. I don't care. He's not Antonio Brown, the football player. Do not let this man back on a football field for his own safety and also for the league. I mean, this guy has made a joke out of four franchises at this point, the way that he has left them. He made a joke out of the Patriots. He made a joke out of the Steelers. He made it the biggest joke of all out of the Oakland Raiders, which people forget that he even went there. And now he's made a joke out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champion. He's not good for the league. He's not good for himself. Keep him off the field. Do not let him get hit in the head any more than he already has. Right. It's it's just this whole situation, This with this situation in particular, I'm choosing to believe nobody. I don't care yeah. who does what. I don't care. Because it is about Antonio Brown getting the help he needs and deserves. And uh, I don't know. Just I, It's not that I don't want to give this situation attention because it's, it's going to force its attention. And I don't know. But again, like, I don't care who's at fault. I don't. I don't care if Bruce Arians did know about the injury. I don't care if AB is in the right in certain aspects of this. I don't give a shit. Everyone here needs help, and in some way, everyone here is wrong. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. So, Antonio Brown, 
I mean, like I said, the guy was a Hall of Fame talent with serious personality issues. And that's the reason that he will never go into the Hall of Fame. He won't. But imagine if he would have just continued on the path he was when he was in Pittsburgh. How great of a career he would have had. What would have been like to see him and Ben Roethlisberger play out their careers together. But it's just, he torpedoed it five years ago, four years ago. And from that point on, it's just been a question of whether or not this man is suitable to make his own decisions right now in life. So uh, hopefully he gets the help he needs. And hopefully no other NFL team makes the mistake of putting him out on the NFL field and a football field just for him to get more injured and hit in the head more because that's something he certainly doesn't need yeah it's it's up to him though yeah so let's move over to our shout outs let's finish on a positive note Horwat. we've been doing that a lot lately i think it's just i like leaving the show positively so uh let's do that now Horwat, what is your shout out this week uh so this past weekend right that was when the first was yes this past weekend the winter classic happened and Tony X, if anybody remembers, St. Louis Blues fan, by the way, Tony X, uh, from from becoming popular on hockey Twitter for for finding out and learning what the game of hockey is, he had himself a weekend at the Winter Classic. <laughs> he hung out with uh, wrestling legend CM Punk. John Hamm recognized him and just other St. Louis things. He was the, I mean, meanwhile, the game sucked for the Blues, or no, they, it was really good for the, the Blues. Blues won six to two. Yeah, got the teams backwards. <laughs> Sucked for the Wild. Uh, meanwhile, the Blues were killing it. Actually, let me rephrase myself. Meanwhile, the Blues were killing it. He had himself a weekend, and good on him because he's one of the best follows on uh, sports Twitter because he does do more than just hockey. Uh, but his hockey tweets are incredible, and also one of the most underrated Twitter things ever is his sports out of context photos thread that he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just random photos from sports across the world, just out of context. <laughs> They're phenomenal. So I, I did see the little story about him and John Hamm, and that's hilarious. Like, if I ever get to the point where just because I do this podcast, somebody that actually matters notices me in a bar, I think that'll be the day I'm like, all right, cool. I've, I can rest on my laurels. But till that point, uh, no resting. What about hanging out with CM Punk though? Like, yeah, that's 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 cool. I don't was I guess AEW was in town because CM Punk has no connection to either of those teams. He's a Blackhawks fan. He's a Hawks fan. Maybe he's got. I think they were in town, but still, like they were tweeting at each other. Legit. CM Punk took a video of Tony X watching the game. Like they were hanging out, hanging out, hmm. becoming buds. Yeah. So if I get to that point, and I'll be happy. That's. That's what I'm striving for, among That's other the goal. things. That's the goal right there. Uh, to close this out, my shout-out for this week, and I've called them out basically all season long. They surpassed my former call-out of they'll only win two more games this season. They, now they've won three since that happened, and I said that about seven weeks ago. The Pittsburgh Steelers are my shout-out this week. 26-14 to 14 win on Monday Night Football over the Cleveland Browns. Big Ben, his goodbye is obviously the story of the game. But there was, other, there was other really good stories of that game, a really good performance from the defense, even though Cleveland refused to do what Cleveland is good at doing and giving the ball to Nick Chubb. But T.J. Watt, four sacks on Baker Mayfield, absolutely cutting him in half, half the time that he hit him. If he wasn't sacking him, he was dropping back and he was swatting the ball back in his face. It was amazing. So much fun to watch. He now has 21 and a half sacks on the season, which is a Pittsburgh Steelers franchise record. And he's one behind Michael Strahan for the NFL record. So if he gets two sacks or even one and a half sacks, Next week against the 
Baltimore Ravens. A hard team to get sacks on because both Huntley and Jackson are very mobile quarterbacks. So if he can get two sacks next week, he sets an NFL record, and he should be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. Other than that, I mean, you gotta love watching Najee Harris. 188 yards. He sets a rookie record for the Pittsburgh Steelers, passing Franco Harris. Great night for him. He also capped it off with the winning walk-off, basically. Touchdown run of 37 yards. But of course, like I said, the, the whole story was, was Big Ben's last game at Heinz Field. The fans were juiced there, just like they were juiced on Wednesday night at the paint bucket. And it was just a, a crazy, crazy walk-off win for Ben Roethlisberger at, at Heinz Field. It was no Kobe Bryant 81 points in his last game at Staples. It was no Derek Jeter walk-off hit at Yankee Stadium. But it was in that class. It wasn't up there on par with those performances because he did throw the ball 46 times for like 120 yards. But at the same time, he throws a touchdown pass. The only interception was really just him trying something and Chase Claypool not committing to a route. And overall, he didn't lose them the game. Let's say that. He didn't lose them the game and he did get one last win at Heinz Field. They could still make the playoffs. And this is the weirdest freaking thing. They're not going to make the playoffs. Hell no. They can make the playoffs if they win at Baltimore, which I, I don't know if that's going to happen. They just have Deontay Johnson on, on, on the COVID list. So I don't know if that's going to work out well, who's their best receiver. But they need to win at Baltimore. They need the Indianapolis Colts to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. I don't see that happening. And then the easiest thing of the weekend, they need the, the Chargers and the Raiders to not tie. That's the last, all three of those things need to happen for them to make the playoffs. But either way, Big Ben is, is not going to have a home game because even if they do make the playoffs, it'll be as the seventh seed. Yeah, enough about talking about the playoffs because we're just not going to make it. Let's get over no, it. And even, they're not. even if we do, oh man, we should not be there. No, whoever the second place team is in the AFC is going to absolutely roll over the Steelers if they make it. So, it, either way. Anyway. Uh, yeah, what, just what a game. What a game. Right? What an event that it was. It, also, it wouldn't have been a proper Ben send-off without a weird interception in there anyway. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll chalk that one up to, yeah, that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But everything else around it, it was... Storybook puts it kind of lightly. It was because... And I was thinking about this a lot too, is that it's almost even more appropriate that it wasn't the actual last game of the year. So there's some weird things where the penultimate of anything is, you know, looked at as, hey, that's that was the moment. Like, yeah, there's that little send-off afterwards, but it's that was the moment. I mean, the Miracle on Ice was not the gold medal game. Yesterday by the Beatles was not the last song on the album. There's these moments that are like that where it's not the final thing. It's not the closer. There's still one more chapter here. It's not going to be much, but it's still that closing chapter, whereas the one before it... Uh, it's always the climax and then the closer. So that was our that was Big Ben's climax for the season for his career. There's still one more little shut up with the face. It's a, it's a it is a it is a literature <laughs> it is a term. term. It's a literal term. Frig off. Um, <laughs> but you saying Big Ben's climax just got me. I don't know why because I have a childish mind. <laughs> but it was his it was his proper send off, and there is one final closing chapter but it so be it it was uh perfect because it also encapsulated him beating the him beating cleveland one more time 
You want to talk about good players I enjoy watching lose? Baker Mayfield. I don't know if I'd put him into that category. I don't think he's a good player. Ah, no, he's a hell of an actor. He is. He is. Those progressive commercials, he has a future in that. Not quite maybe as a as an NFL quarterback, but. I need the progressive commercial that, that at home with Baker where Big Ben just keeps breaking in and living there because, oh, yeah, that's his home. Ah, I got jokes. You do have jokes. But, no, shout-out to Big Ben. Shout-out to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Although it hasn't been the, the best of seasons, and considering the fact that they're going to miss the playoffs because they tied the Detroit Lions, basically, that's the reasoning. Uh, it's not a good year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the one fact and one stat that I saw that is actually kind of impressive, I don't like the whole never had a losing season thing because 800 should not be a goal, or 500, 8-8, eight and eight, 500 should not be a goal. But uh, seeing the fact that he's only ever played in and only ever will play in two games where prior to kickoff, the team was not eliminated from playoff contention through 18 years, that's really cool. Like, that is a really good stat there. So that, I will say, is an amazing stat, an amazing accomplishment, and his entire career has been. So his next step is probably Canton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the stat. Not the however many seasons without a losing season. Yeah, I mean, that's that's great. You know how many times you made the playoffs and have blown it up? Yeah. Far too many to, to look at it, to look at every season above eight and eight as a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, no, I mean, like I said, no offense to Tomlin or Ben. Those are phenomenal accomplishments. Those will get you into Canton. But as a fan, my God, win a game. What if I said all, all episode, my God, win a playoff round. Yeah. You're playing great in the regular season. Great. Do something afterwards. But, I mean, mm-hmm. overall, when you look back on a career, it's a different situation. Yeah, especially considering the fact that along with that, he did win two Super Bowls and went to three. So. Yeah, they were just all early on. Yeah. I mean, you would have he would have won that third Super Bowl if it wasn't for Richard Mendenhall. Probably. So, oh well. We live and we learn. We digress. That's going to be it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. We will be back on Monday with a new one talking about this Penguins game tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers as well as Saturday nights or Saturday afternoons matchup against the Dallas Stars. That's going to be it. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend, Pens fan. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.